welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. I'm Vinny Caravella. Brad and Alex both had uh, a personal business they needed to take care of, some unexpected family emergencies. I am joined by Patrick Klepik. Hi, Patrick. It's just like uh, you and me getting into work before everyone else at Giant Bomb and drinking coffee down at the in that little station at the CVS office. Totally. Talking about what we would do for the day. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is very much... I, I just... I have to be fully transparent here. I think I messaged you, Patrick, about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and you were like... Totally. I could jump on. You're a champ. I really, I really appreciate it. I said I've got nine, I've got like 90 minutes before I usually pick up my kid and they get suspicious about why I'm not there. So if you can do this right now, uh-huh. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and, and you were like, I was like, yeah, great, good. I'm setting it up right now. You're like, let me grab a coffee. Let's go. Uh, so Patrick, really do appreciate you jumping on. Uh, we are going to be talking mostly about the Game Awards stuff, kind of recapping what happened there. You watched... I did. I did. Yeah. I watched. I streamed. I uh, I can't, you know, for, uh, perhaps I should look away, but I can't, Vinny. I no. can't. I just keep looking. I mean, we're going to get more. We're going to get into it in just a minute here. But like there were there was a lot revealed. I mean, there was there was a, there were a lot. There were possibly too many announcements for that show. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by the amount of uh, awards that were not given out to actual developers, I agree yeah. with you. There might have been too many announcements at the show. Too many <laughs> announcements. So we're gonna, we're going to get to that in, uh, in just a second here. But I was talking to you before the show, and um, I was asking you if you had played any Lego Fortnite, uh, and your answer was not yet, but I want to. Well, it's I have not played Fortnite with uh-huh. uh, my so you know I've got a, a seven year old and a three year old. So three year old, you know, probably uh, trying to play Mario with her, trying to play the the crappy Bluey video game uh, with her was already a bad? challenge. Oh, it's re- it's yeah, it's real. It's okay. I mean, uh, your kids are probably too my, old to be yeah. um, nine and 11. tricked tricked by a bad vi- like you know like like the Bluey video game is not very good. But it is the bluey characters in settings you're familiar with. And that sure. that will work until a certain age that you go, yeah, but what if, like, this doesn't seem very good. And the same way, like, you can watch bad movies for a long time before you, like, grow a sense of taste and appreciation for quality. Sure. So it worked fine on my kids, but uh, I don't know that it would work on yours. But Fortnite, we haven't gotten to yet, mostly because my kid is still in her Roblox era. Uh-huh. Um, but... Uh, the Lego part, obviously Legos are very popular with her, so I just haven't had a reason to try Fortnite, but I looked up the Fortnite, uh, Lego stuff and it looked, I mean, it looks spectacular. It's, um, it's Minecraft Lego is really okay. what it is. So there's, it, there's no, um, I mean, there's Fortnite DNA in there, but it is, you're, it's not a, it's not a battle royale. It is, uh, it is a building survival game in of this Lego universe that is in the Fortnite universe. How much of, so when I I played a bunch of Minecraft with my oldest and Mm. she likes the survival part in the sense that she likes to build a space (sighs) and hide in it and then watch dad Mm. die. Um, But we haven't quite graduated. We usually often play the game in just the creative mode. So it's just, we can grab whatever resource it's more, it's more about actually like kind of playing Legos. Like what if you just had a big bucket of Legos but instead, we're playing it on a Switch or an iPad. And it's like, let's build a, you know, a castle or let's build, you know, a cabin. And then, like, and then we go and do that as opposed to actually playing the survival element. So how much of the survival element is critical to to this part of it? 
So if you go on the, the default settings, it's pretty survival. There's like hunger and stamina and you know, there is combat and you're dying and doing corpse runs and those things, but they have a lot of toggles you can toggle on and off. Like, I think each of those things is to- a toggle you can turn on and off, or you mm. can just go in sandbox mode and just kind of uh, do the creative mode stuff. So I did the, my kids are a little older. I did the, um, straight up survival mode. Yeah. <laughs> and there was definitely a point where we were very far away from a base and my daughter died, Uh-oh. and then she was. Ve- we were very far, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh man, um, you're super far. Maybe we can take your your backpack, open it, and we'll bring your stuff back to you." <laughs> I didn't realize like we opened it, it; the backpack explodes on the ground, basically, and all the stuff goes all over the place, and like stuff, chickens and stuff start coming eating all her like pumpkins. <laughs> And I hear from my daughter, she's like, what's going on? I'm like, no, don't worry. Like, we're, we're guarding your stuff. It's all fine. Don't worry. And then um, she basically gets there. And I, I think we had mostly everything, but mm-hmm. she was really upset. Like, she's like, I had 30 pumpkins. I'm like, I know. I think I have them in my inventory. I think it's okay. And at some point, it was really quiet. And then she's like, is, is it okay if I take a break? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, no. Okay. We're, we're like, we're going we're gonna to stop. And then. So basically, uh, you know, like dad, uh, she's taking a break. She's getting ready for bed. And I'm like, look, Mm -hmm. dad grabs the controller. I go upstairs and like corpse run, get all her stuff. I'm going to go, I'm going to go grind for 30 pumpkins and make sure everything's there in the morning. I just made sure everything was like back. I was like, look, you have everything you had. It's all back in your backpack. So that when I go to tuck her in for bed, I'm like, everything's fine in Lego Minecraft. Like you've got everything. You don't have to worry about it. Um, have they played games like that? before that have like i don't know like si- like permanent or semi permanent like loss like as part of the character as opposed to just going back to a checkpoint like my son is okay with that stuff like he's okay my daughter would probably not play that game like the, the, <laughs> it wants no part of that she's yeah. like she doesn't want to play competitive games she doesn't want to play something where it's putting people against other people she doesn't really even want to do survival mode right like it was yeah. a, so um so that not my son though is like just full on whatever you put in front of him wants to <laughs> wants to try it. He was asking about Dark Souls the other day, and I was like, "Wow!" And I was like, "I don't." And I was like, "You can, I guess, you can try." There's really nothing I can think of as a parent that's like hardly no. offensive in Dark Souls. It's just like it's gonna hurt you. <laughs> you know, it's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to experience loss like you've never experienced it's be a lot worse than lo- losing 30 pumpkins in the wilderness yeah right right yeah yeah like um th- and, and it's not one of those i think for me as a parent it's not one of those ones where it's like dad can you help me get past this thing i'm like i can't i, no. I, I, I no. <laughs> like no like i, I can't <laughs> These games don't even have, uh, like, you know, proper good co-op. So, yeah. you know, maybe we can drop our signs next to each other and, like, <laughs> yeah. like cross our fingers and, oh, whoops, dad rolled off the side of the ledge. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not, it's just not going to happen. Like, there's just, like, I, I, and I think maybe there's a fear in me as a parent where I have to admit that I can't help. <laughs> you know, I have to be like, <laughs> I, I can't help you with this. Dark Souls I, is a microcosm for... <laughs> what you have to realize about parenting is like totally. a broader concept. <laughs> it's like, you know, like dropping your off at like dropping your kid off at like camp or college or something. And dark souls are the points where you just <laughs> have to sit there and watch your kid just kind of do their own thing. Right. Um, 
so yeah, I, I think Lego Fortnite, I, I'll say this. We put a bunch of hours into it. It feels like it's bigger than I thought, and it also feels like an it would be an early access game if it weren't in Fortnite and had that yeah. trapping, right? It, it like it's there are things in it that I'm sure will come into it later on that survival games have had for decades. You know, that you're just like, where is this? Oh my gosh, you don't have this in your building survival game. And I I, I feel like they'll put that in. I'm maybe you know this. I'm not sure. You mentioned Roblox before. Mm-hmm. Is that where they're going? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's where they're going. Like the the cuz they lined up what three games with this. They yeah. they they had the Lego Minecraft yep. uh sort of mashup. They have a Rocket League variant cuz yep. they purchased Psionics, Rocket League. Well, yeah, by Psionics. Um uh from from a couple years ago and then they also bought Harmonics and there is a yep. uh Fortnite festival which is essentially they put Rock Band uh like very similar UI. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I, I tried it for uh like one song and I was like I don't want I don't want to play in a gamepad. Like I know that like the Rock Band unplugged like the P, like people swear by like those mm-hmm. versions of those games being pretty decent but for me it's peripheral <laughs> or bust. And so I saw that like I think it's PDP is like an accessory manufacturer that took over for Mad Cats during the Rock Band 4 era. They put out a uh, a tweet that said, like, the emojis added up to Fortnite and then have now just been liking a bunch of tweets that say, oh, my God, are you making plastic peripherals that will be compatible with Fortnite? And my hope is, like, well, I hope that Harmonix gets to make cool stuff and maybe that can flourish in, in, in Fortnite. Or but mostly, like, I don't know if you've looked up how expensive rock band peripherals are. Like, that used to be something that you could just go to a Goodwill. Oh, yeah. And it's like, good God. There are just dozens of these yeah. guitars and drums. Now you can't find them. Now they cost hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars for Wait, decent really? versions of. Yes, like the the it's it's much like uh the, the same arc that happened with like NES, Super Nintendo, like like mm. old cartridges. We used to be able to go to a GameStop or a Funko Land. And it's just right. like whole bins of whatever <laughs> yeah. you'd like. And now those games are like any of those games I could have bought from Funko Land and just like put in a box and I could sell it for like you know hundreds or thousands of dollars now. That has also happened to Harmonix peripherals. Um, so my I hope do, is they're well, going to make do some know, that I can use on a PC as well. I I I gave mine to a Goodwill when I moved. Right? Yeah, I was like, same. Okay, and and so, but then, and maybe you had this similar thought. I was like, oh man, my kids really love rock. <sighs> like, yeah, and, and so I wound up buying back through channels years ago, and probably spent about. You know, five hundred bucks or so. Mm-hmm. You know, but the drums were the most expensive part. Like finding yeah. Rock Band four drums, because those are the ones that worked with an Xbox One. Uh, I think that this is right. And then two guitars and microphones were cheap. Maybe like five hundred bucks. Maybe a little less than that. But still, like yeah, a but, decent, but still, decent like a chain. And it's uh, gone. It's gone up exponentially whenever you went okay. on this adventure. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> you then can, like, you could flip those for quite a bit of money right now, Vinny. <laughs> and like you're right, there was a point where we all were joking, like like, oh yeah, our kids uh, or the future of this country will be built with plastic instruments, right? Like they will be <laughs> paving roads and houses, and like you live inside like a weird uh, yeah. uh, plastic Fender Stratocaster uh, mm-hmm. wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I was like, oh man, this how great would it be to introduce my kids to this? This would be super fun. Like my son plays the drums. My daughter plays the guitar. Like not that the guitar maps onto the plastic guitar, but they sing, you know, they dance, they do the whole yeah. thing. Right. Like this well, is especially what if you get into the, um, the PC scene where there's a game called clone hero. And then also I believe it's, uh, cause the rap band games never came out formally on the PC. 
but uh, Guitar Hero, like World Tour, like several of those games did. And people are still modding those games oh, wow. to put in like like their own note charts, like <sighs> whatever song you can think of. And so that's that's what I want is I want yeah. modern peripherals that will work on a PC yeah. that I can then just beam into another room. <laughs> and like if my kid wants to do like Frozen. Yeah. On, you know what I mean? Like that's what yes. I'm thinking of is like I want to be able to do like Frozen and I can just be fucking wailing on the drums. Like <laughs> so Frozen, cool yeah. would that be? Like yeah, I, that's right. I, I want that so bad that's in right. my life. Let it be again. <laughs> <laughs> That big exactly exactly. <laughs> um, your kids still watching Frozen? Uh no. But the songs come up every every okay. once in a while. They're on playlists. What what is uh? Since I have another parent here, what is yeah. what is what's hot? What's going on? Oh, um, they it's kind of the same thing. Like actually, I've been very surprised. Like we're in the Christmas movie, okay, like era. Like you know, doing a lot of holiday stuff. They are so taken by the old school claymation stuff like that you and i like grew up watching and also probably our parents like grew up watching like it's weird to track them down um like i mean we're just like watching we don't pay for youtube premium yet i'm come i'm getting there i'm getting there when my one of my oldest eventually will want to watch something there like they have like a compilation of like you know low resolution like zero bit rate like you want to watch every Christmas movie from the fifties, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and with an ad that pops up every you know seven minutes or whatever. But they're really taken by those. But otherwise, no, it's really just you know Bluey and um and frankly, like whatever is the new thing that rotates up on Netflix. Like they're putting up so much new kid mm. stuff every couple of weeks that it's essentially we just go through what's the new stuff from Netflix, and they don't push ads on the kids tier of the service. So right. um. Like that ends up usually being pretty safe. Gabby's Dollhouse is the okay, other really yep, big yep, one. Yep. Um, and that's 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 about it's, it. Other wh- other than wh- that, it's just like they want to watch their iPad. So um, <laughs> what's on the iPad? Like heavily restricted YouTube kids that doesn't okay. really show them much of anything. Okay. Um, I were you were you as shocked maybe as I was? I don't know if we've talked about this. About there's this world I didn't know about that is like premium streaming service kids parts that is just like it's invisible to anyone who's not like a a parent who doesn't go there and like as soon as you make a kid's account you're like what is this whole other netflix world that is here with all these mascots and like you know Mm -hmm. like the the pro like billions of shows that are just hiding you know just on this whole other world like that is parallel to our universe parallel to like the adult section of Netflix is this parallel world that is completely different. The UI is different. Everything's different about it. And my kids, I have to go tell them sometimes, be like, they'll just scroll through and watch trailers. They'll just watch the trailers for shows. And I'll be like, guys, it's been like 20 minutes. You just got to pay. I, I don't like this conceptually. <laughs> I, <laughs> but like, you just got to watch something. You've just been looking at the trailers for everything. Well, uh, my oldest got around uh, a screen time restriction uh, where she had hit, you know, an hour or whatever uh, on, on her iPad. I was like, all right, go put that away. Got to go do something else. And she's like, can I go play my Switch for a little bit? And she has never played her Switch for long stretches of time. It's usually bo- booting it up to play a couple of rounds of Mario Kart, a little bit of, it's just, it's, it never worries me when she says, I'm going to go play the switch. Um, because I know that's never going to be more than 15, 20 minutes before she puts it down. But then there was one time, I think she was home for some reason. She might've had a cold. She was gone. I eventually just picked up on it. I was working. I was like, 
the fuck she go? It's been 90 <laughs> minutes. And I don't have any screen time restrictions set up on the Switch because I've never had to worry about, about that part of it. And I go and find her in her room. And I was like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I was like, what have you been doing? She's like, I'm watching videos. I was like, you're not, there's nothing on the Switch to watch. Well, in the eShop, <gasps> there are just thousands, tens of thousands of trailers yep. for you to watch. And so mm-hmm. she was just sitting there scrolling through the catalogs of games, watching the trailer. And then she sat there and like showed me her favorites. And it was kind of cute, except for the fact that I was like, you just disappeared for almost yeah. two hours yeah, like, yeah, yeah. watching trailers. Um, and, but like, I think it's also the format is novel to kids because trailers by by design are commercials. And totally. kids don't see a ton of commercials. And so when they see a commercial, which is like uh, a minute, you know, 45 seconds of like, Here's what's fucking interesting about this thing. <laughs> totally. Yes. Um, that's not usually how they get pitched on on stuff. And so I think they like kids actually find commercials kind of novel because it's just not usually most of the streaming services we're paying for. Right. We're, you know, you and I are usually paying the higher tier to not see the yes, ads. Right. And so the yeah. kids don't see them. So when they do see an ad like a trailer, I don't know. I think they're sort of taken by it because it's it's so outside of their circle of the kinds of stuff they consume uh, in the media. I mean, when they, um, uh, just two things here. When, whenever they travel and we are watching like TV at like a hotel or something yep. and yep. they're just like blown away <laughs> by the amount of advertising that's, uh, that coming at them like constantly. And they're just like, yeah. Whoa, what is this? And I'm like, the, this is the world of advertising. They're, <laughs> they're going to be selling you things every five minutes. Don't worry. It's coming at you hot and heavy. Um, and then on uh, during COVID, a lot of teachers were like linking YouTube videos and stuff like that. Mm. And I remember at some point, my kids were reciting Grammarly commercials to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait, what is going on? And they're like, got a, got a report due? Like uh, Grammarly is like, here to help you. And I was like, oh my gosh, like stop. It's like, just stop, please. And I was like, how is this happening? I was like, oh, because the teachers are doing lessons plan- lesson plans. They're like, okay, here, watch this video on math or whatever it is. And right, like, right. Grammarly. That's so funny. Oh, it's, ter- it's funny and kind of terrible, but also kind of funny because I was like, we still joke about Grammarly now. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, um, anyway, uh, Patrick, we're going to talk about the Game Awards. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we're going we're gonna to hammer down the good, the bad, and the ugly <laughs> of the Game Awards. We'll be right back after this. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke Post, Brad Shoemaker. Hello. We are in the gift-giving, gift-buying, gift-getting season. That's right. Hard to hard to figure out exactly what to get people sometimes. I am paralyzed sometimes on what to get people. Hey, uh, what if you didn't have to figure it out? No, are you saying like, what if there was just an awesome box that just came for people that they kind of just got based on some kind of quiz or knowledge, uh, were able to have a bespoke box posted to them? Uh, I'll say this, every month uh, I get a box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Whoever's listening to our show, thank you very much because I just got a, a box that had a chess set in it. And also uh, a chess scorekeeping uh, 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 book in it, which I needed. Uh, somebody knows what I would want in my box of awesome. I said something once about my love of whiskey in the last, like, four boxes. <laughs> now, granted, everybody listening to this doesn't necessarily have a podcast on which to express their deepest desires. But 
Everybody listening to this can get started by taking a quiz at boxofawesome.com, and then their answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for either the person they're gifting or maybe for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. Like I said, hot sauces, chess, whiskey, just the general category. Let's call it knives. Yep. Just big knives. Blades. Blades. Each box is valued at around $70, but you will only pay a fraction of that price. Plus, with each box of awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER. Thanks, Box of Awesome. All right, Patrick, the Game Awards. And I'm going to roll in some other stuff into this section about the Game Awards, uh, some other news things, because E3 also just kind of, well, there is no more E3. Kind of officially, I guess, now? Is is it official official, would you say? It's official official. The, uh, the ESA has said they, I don't have the statement in front of me, but something to the effect of, well, instead of, you know, in the six months before E3 going, we're investigating how uh, we might do this, and then it doesn't happen, which has been the case for the last couple of years. They seem to have gotten ahead of it. Um, I think I saw uh, the head of the ESA did an interview with, with GamesBeat, uh, essentially saying, like, the partners didn't want to do it. You know, yeah. the partner, you know, and, you know, it's the Nintendos, the EAs of the world. If they don't want to make that happen, because, you know, what undergirds E3 is... You know, a group, a trade group called the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, and the ESA are basically a trade group that represents a lot of the major game companies. And if they don't want to do E3 because they can do a showcase on their own or something more low stakes like Keeley's events, which, you know, essentially have sort of overtaken E3 in both summer and winter forms. And they can imagine what, yeah, and their own events, you know, why do you need to spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars on a big, uh, uh, you know, like event when you can just like reuse that stuff at like smaller versions of it at every PAX or something like that. So yeah, I think it's I think it's well and truly dead absent some years from now them coming back with something fundamentally different. But I think I think E three as you and I know it or and have known it for uh, many many years mm-hmm. is 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 done and buried. Right, I agree with you. I think there I would say there will probably be some kind of woodstockian revival at some point to try and bring e3 as a brand back um you know a lot of thoughts i saw some people you know being like ah man you know was e3 that bad you know or those things and you know i have mixed feelings about e3 and what it was becoming how you do it i just i think those short of it like you just said is how do you make e3 relevant today when yeah. publishers can control their media cycle so much more organically and tightly, you know, with Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo just going direct to consumer and not um, through the media as a proxy or through uh, a, a stage time that they don't get the set, right? Like a slot. So we live in an age where Microsoft can say, we're holding our own event. You will tune in for it. <laughs> you not only will you tune in for it, you can tune in on our platforms 
and we can announce games during our event and go download them right now. Um, and we don't, we can control that message. So I, I think, I think it became harder. Uh, also, I mean, this is probably much more your beat. Um, I mean, you're, are you an original E3 or? Oh, well, or pretty fun. close so to here, it. I'm going to send you a link. Uh, okay. This is a, I was asked by one Brad Shoemaker if uh, he was allowed to share this photo online as people were sharing E3 memories. So I've sent you a discord link to okay. a photo. Of, I'm going to, Take a look at this. I'm sure it's going to be a very uh, mature, gray-haired shoemaker. Uh Oh, boy. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Okay, this is a great (laughs) photo. I'll have to include this in the show notes. Is that... What is happening here? That's you saluting? Uh, Yeah, uh, this is a photo of... uh, I don't think Brad took it. Uh, This (laughs) is from just uh, an ancient collection. Uh, I'm 16 years old at Buca de Beppo. Okay. You know, an all-time Italian restaurant. Uh, I believe this is at the L.A. City Walk, uh, where is I think that's near Universal Studios and stuff like that in Los Angeles. And it's a uh, at a table with a bunch of other people. Um, who the, I know who they are. It does not matter to the audience who they are. But it like this, most people probably know this. I don't, it, like I've known Brad probably as long as I've known anybody <laughs> in this industry. I mean, uh-huh. quite literally, I've known Brad since I was thirteen or fourteen years old. Uh-huh. Um, and so I became I knew Brad from a very very early age. Met Brad for the first time at E three ninety eight in Atlanta, Georgia. That was the first one that I went to. I was a part of a uh, I stumbled into a just randomly a chat room that also happened to have Brad and a bunch of like EGM editors and EGM at the time happened to be like twenty minutes from my house. Uh, like just weird weird uh, you know circumstances that have led me to to this moment. But yeah, I I E three ninety eight the I was working for, well, working is a generous term, but I was writing for a website called Gamers Online uh-huh. with a Z. Uh, and the person that ran that said, hey, have you ever, you know, I could get you. In, they were also extremely young, like not much older than me, maybe 16 at most, and uh, asked if I wanted to go to E3. And I was like, well, sure. I'm 14 or maybe even 13 at the time. I don't know how I'm going to get there. And so I have a very distinct memory of walking up to my parents' room. Uh, You know, they were just like reading in their bed one evening. And I explained I would like to go to this video game trade show in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, You know, they knew I was on the computer a lot. I was interested in writing. I was like, I've been offered a chance to like go go to this. I I don't know how that would work, but I just wanted to see if that would be possible. My parents. My parents asked me to leave the room uh-huh. and just looked at each other in, this is how my mom explained uh-huh. it, like, just looked at each other in puzzlement, like, did our son just ask if he could, f- like, fly somewhere in a different part of the country to go meet a bunch of internet? Like, what is he talking about? And they looked into it, and basically my dad concluded that, um, it's like, it didn't seem like I was trying to pull one over on huh. them, and, like, seemed like... I was at a pursuit that I was interested in, you know, like a, a hobby. And so he, my dad was a salesperson at that time and a pretty high ranking one. And so he was able to just concoct a reason to go to Atlanta, Georgia for like a meeting uh-huh. and then took me with and oh my gosh. went to E3 with me. Um, I got a a pink uh, uh, underage media badge. They literally had oh like my a, gosh. Spe- a specialized one. It wouldn't be till years later that E3 added a like must be 18, <laughs> 18 or older, yeah. even though I was constantly getting badges 
like being under 18, even uh, before I had hit that mark. And my dad walked around the show floor with me. Um, I remember I ha- I'd made appointments with companies and they clearly did not know <laughs> that I was 14 years old uh-huh. and I would show up and you would just have these PR people blinking <laughs> uh, widely uh-huh. at me wondering what? Um, uh-huh. And of course I had my, my dad with me. And so then my dad would go into these, like my dad's not going to let me go right. to some private Behind closed doors, right? Me. So, so once they kind of wrapped their head around the situation, they, I remember very uh, distinctly, I was going to see, uh, I think it was ASCII software, who was a popular publisher in the N64 and PS1 era. And you must remember Rob Fleischer, Pickle Man, mm-hmm. the yeah. PR oh, person. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Rob was a very early, like, I like you, Patrick. And like, was a like really early, like got me in at a lot of companies to take me seriously. Like I owe Rob a lot of, uh, uh, for a lot of my early career. Um, and, uh, he was showing me some, some, I remember it being a skateboarding game. Uh, and I look over and my dad is taking a nap in <laughs> the chair next to me while uh, this game is being shown. Look, and it's an exhausting show. It's an exhausting show. And so that was the first one I went to. I met, I remember just, uh, meeting Brad out in front of a Duke Nukem Forever uh, booth uh, and being like, look, everyone these days, you know, plenty of years to be like the first time you hear Brad's voice. And you're like, wow, uh, that's uh-huh. distinctive. Like this is early, early, early internet. Like I, <laughs> like I was shook the first time that I met Brad. I was not anticipating yeah. that at all, but yeah, him and I met for the first time there. And I went to E3s pretty much ever since I only missed one E3. Um, when I the first year I went to Kotaku, uh, I believe I missed that one. But other than that, I went from E3 1998 until they shut the damn thing down and wouldn't let me in anymore. Well, uh, there's an academic and there's a professional perspective on it. Do you have a, mm-hmm. a an emotional or personal perspective on them kind of saying, "Look, we're just done right now"? Uh, yeah. Like personally speaking, I feel. Like, obviously, I owe E3 a lot to my career. It's where I met a lot of, you know, I met folks like Brad, who then were, like, heavily influential in me meeting other people and being able to, like, there's a lot of networking that happened mm-hmm. at E3. And I I feel for a lot of young media folk, uh, you know, even putting aside how tumultuous the job market is and how few jobs there even are, but places like E3 where you got to go in person and, like, low stakes meet people and be around people. Like a lot of that is just absent um, from the games industry at this point. You have some things like a dice or packs, but it's just not the same. It's not the same as E3, where you knew that everybody who was anybody, and if you wanted to be an anybody, you yeah. could, like you went to E3. And so I, 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 I feel bad for folks who will never get to experience something like that again because it's different to try and reach out to people over social media and and stuff like that. It's just much harder to network and i a huge amount of what i've been able to do today is like directly linked back to the connections i made going to that there's a reason i prioritized going to that show even when i was in college and had to take finals early or later (laughs) like to to make sure i made it to e3 was because every time i came out of it it reinforced like well i met these people and that that led to this job or this writing bit and so personally and professionally i I I'm going to miss it because it gave uh, a lot to me. It didn't help that they completely doxed me right towards the end there. Sure. I was there. That part uh, less great. But I mean, 
in the grand scheme of things, I, you know, I, there's an article. If you, if you, if you, if you look it up, I'll have to look what the headline is, but I wrote something about this. When, one of the other times it seemed like E3 uh-huh. was dead a couple of years ago about how much I owe uh, the show for, for what I have now. It's like, in many ways you could point to E3 as like, how do I have this house? Like, how do I have this company? Like a lot of it goes back to the people I met there and what the show facilitated. And so well, it was a, on a personal level, I miss it. It was, you know, it was a trade show, right? It was an mm-hmm. industry event, uh, you know, whether <laughs> at the time, I mean, there were people as far as I know, I didn't go to those early ones, but you know, from, from a here tell, it sounds like that's where people would go to look at product, right? Like, Hey, we're going to, yes. we're going to stock the shelves at a GameStop, EB games, whatever, Sell me on why I should buy this many copies of whatever, right? Or, or, you know, there are other events for that, but that... You used to actually be able... If you worked at uh, a lot of retailer, like a retailer that sold video games, like even if you just worked at a Best Buy, uh, they eventually stamped this out. Um, But you used to be able to just be like a part-time or full-time employee at a place that sold games, and you could claim that you were (laughs) in the industry like a buyer, and you could then go to E3... Um, because yeah, like the roots of E3 are a trade show. Like yeah. it's an extension of CES. Like right. E3 is born out of CES, um, and is essentially a place where, hey, what's the how many cartridges? Like <laughs> Nintendo's trying to figure out how many cartridges to produce, and they're doing that based on how much interest the retailers are showing in the games. You know what I mean? Like yeah, okay. it used no, to be I mean- that fundamentally that kind of show, and even in later years, it was like. A lot where a lot of uh, like games were like pitched to publishers, mm-hmm. like it was just people in meeting Backdoor rooms meetings. making, yep. yeah, making like there used to be. Uh, this is not something people that went to E3 or even like saw E3 through like the coverage that you and I have done over the years, but like there were just straight up meeting halls that yep. are just doors yep. and you walk in and they're meeting rooms, With and that's weird where a lot of partitions and yep, mm-hmm, that's where a lot of the actual action of E3 happened. And I think, I think a lot of that has gone away as well. So, as like the business part. The business reasons for E3 crumbled, and then the consumer reasons for E3 kind of crumbled because things like PAX and essentially all the other stuff that ReadPop does kind of ate E3's lunch. Yeah. Uh, and then the publishers discovered there were better ways to market their products. It just didn't seem to make, like, who was who's going to E3 anymore? It's, so I, I think that's a good point. I don't want to spend too, too much time, like, eulogizing E3 because I just feel like we have also done this every, yep. like you mentioned, every other time. But... um on just to that point, the industry changed so much where if you go uh, just uh, to back up one second, going back to it being trade show, trade show, if you watch those early press conferences, it's spreadsheets, it's sales numbers, it's like a lot of talk of product and what's going to happen in quarters, right? Like this is mm-hmm. this is so, this is like a big boardroom meeting. Uh, it wasn't necessarily just like big reveal, big reveal, you know, trailers. <laughs> right. Um, and then the industry changed in a way where there was a middle portion there of, of E3. I'm going to say, cause it was probably the part I was most active mm-hmm. where the industry was talking to the audience through the media. They were, they were, it was a, um, a, a bunch of captive media in a, in a room they would go then take that information and disseminate it out to a wider audience. Then it was direct streaming to the audience, right? And that was, you know, mm-hmm. then you could just watch the press conferences go on. Then publishers started just bypassing that altogether and just directly streaming to the audience, right? So then, then, and I feel like at that point, the publisher is doing direct sales digitally. They are, they are advertising directly. <laughs> um, 
And E3 kind of lost its purpose, right? It kind of lost. I mean, the stuff you're talking about as a social networking thing, I think was still there, but I don't think that makes money for the ESA. (laughs) Right, right. No, no. But especially when they had some of their main partners were pulling out. Like you, over the last, you know, five years of E3 when it was really a thing, you had EA doing events in Hollywood. You had, uh, and they weren't, showcasing on the show floor which means that they weren't paying for a big booth i mean the some of the last years of e3 you'd walk in and i remember like the the big room where like N- nintendo was always on the right i forget i always get the halls yeah, yeah so do i <laughs> south um, hall or, or yeah south yeah. or west hall but you know you'd walk into this one and nintendo had the same spot yeah for as long as i've ever gone it was over on the right um and you look over to the left and it was just an empty warehouse yeah and that used to be filled yep with things to walk around with and part of what they used to start filling it up with was like well i don't know i guess people could drink here and so there'd be like little like bar pods that would like show up and like i use those as like networking it's like well i guess instead of going to a bar down the street we could just drink on the e3 show floor yeah and hang out for an hour but it was stuff like that that would tell you like it was confused on what do we do with this space and 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 i don't think they had a good answer and that answer just got and then like many things COVID accelerated right COVID was an accelerant for problems that already existed and then just exposed them to the nth degree and and like you said other events like PAX and um you know uh Gamescom and all those these other events that seem to figure out a space to do things where E3 kind of couldn't figure it out or or was was caught between a, a, a play like the past and the present so I, there's I, nothing to do at e3 you know what <laughs> i mean like if you don't you know you go to pax and there's uh there's you know rooms with arcade machines there's yeah. like when when the show floor for pax closes if you walk around the different spaces you feel like the show floor is still open it's a fan event are, it's a fan event and they've yeah. built the entire infrastructure around that when e3 closed as they opened it to fans it's like what is anybody yeah. going to like? There's nothing to do <laughs> except, uh, right. Except wander around. Go LA, drink at the right? JW. <laughs> right. and, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean like yeah, that's yeah. like, that's about it. And like, that was a huge part of their problem was there was just, there was the, the aura of E3. But once that faded, it didn't have anything to offer the people, like the fans that were showing the engine of the show was going to be fans buying tickets. Yeah. And if there's nothing to give the fans a reason to show up other than, the glory days of E3, eventually that's going to run out. And, and the other thing was the the media stuff at E3 was usually behind closed doors. And that's yep. where you saw the hands-on demos, the stuff that was the earliest or most quote-unquote secretive. And the and if you have a fan pass, if they make E3 a fan show, publishers aren't, they get skittish showing that stuff, you know, publicly. They're not going to show. It's not ready yet. They, you know. They'll show it to people that sign NDAs that are like, oh, you can't take pictures of this. You can't show this early. You'll ruin us if you do. Not to everybody on the floor with cell phones. So it becomes a very different experience at that point, too. Not to mention early access became a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. The the rise of uh, publishers just making deals with influencers to be like, you know, hey, I'll, you, I'll, you show my game. Like, let's make a deal. Let's work something out. You do the promotional work for me. I'll pay you to do it. It's just such a different model. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, one of the things I'll lament is E3 was one of the few places where you actually got access to the the power brokers of the industry, mm-hmm. you know, where you'd be able to interview, you know, executives and uh, a lot of folks that make the big decisions in games. I mean, 
think to how many times like someone like Phil Harrison has put their foot in their mouth over <laughs> a series of interviews at at a place like E3. These days, those sorts of folks rarely even do interviews. You know, you've got your folks who are extremely well media trained, like your Phil yeah. Spencers, um, your, you know, Shuhei Yoshida. Like there, there's a handful of folks that are doing that. But the expectation of E3 was you show up and like you are going to answer some totally. questions. Um, and that is almost completely lost uh, these days or is done in the most safest of environments. Um, or and, and part of that is like working with, you know, influencers. And that's not to disparage folks who cover games in a different way or make their money in a different way. But the, the, the expectation of like what you're doing with your relationship with like the game maker and what you're passing on to the audience is, is fundamentally different. Um, totally. And, you, you know, just on that point, I was just having this conversation with Brad and Alex because we were kind of, you know, looking at, I mean, you guys were in a business now too. You kind of look at the state of the industry. Right. And I was like, yeah, we were looking at next and they're like, you know, we're still a coverage company, not a promotional company. And so a lot of people have gone the other way and been like, we're a promotional company. My, mm-hmm. my channel is about promoting a product. I get, you know, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions. It's just a different model. Like I get paid to promote product. That's they're a platform. That's a like platform. It's, yeah. it's a platform. Yeah. And so like, you know, to us to over here, it's like, oh my gosh, that's such a different model. Like, getting paid to promote something it's so different than what we came up through (laughs) and like you know it's just a it might be a generational thing or just a kind of thought thing but like we're still coverage like oh you just cover what's happening you just you know you you don't you you get paid to just do the blanket coverage you don't get paid to cover the one product right and i right i think that shift and that acceptance of that as as a viable model also changed the way companies just deal with people um, and the way the audience is, is willing to be like, that's okay. I love that this person just covers this thing. They just cover Nintendo. And the, that's what I want to be happy watching them cover Nintendo. I don't need somebody who's like, I don't what I'm looking for is not a critic. Who's like, I hate the new Mario game, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a different thing. It's just, it, it is it, like that. I think that sh- that generational shift is happening alongside there as well. And I think we're just in the beginnings of, like fully grasping the consequences of like what that means for how games are covered, what that means for criticism. Totally. Um, and that won't be just games. I think that's going to be, you know, that's every sort of uh, medium as we switch to like that broadly being the interaction model between, you know, like what your, your kids are doing. My kids are doing like that's They're going to grow up in that being the, the accepted form of interaction. And that, has its own positives and negatives and uh you know to us it might seem way more like negatives because of how you know like how often have you and i you know or you know if you're in this business accused of selling out i know and it's like and it's like wait so we arrived at the part where selling out is the good thing and i'm not trying to disparage the people who are selling out but like right. i lived through gamergate yeah, like yeah, yeah. i like yeah. i don't know how to process yeah, yeah. like this being where we've ended up it's, it's it's definitely a strange model like um you know, paid for coverage used to be so anathema. It was used to, yeah. used to be such a, such like a, Ooh, my God. And now it's like, when you frame it as like, wait, I'm not going to cover your game unless you pay me. It's like, yeah, that kind of does make sense in a way. If your model is a promotional model Correct. A, and not a coverage model. Right. So it, it's, it's interesting. Um, sweet. So that is a fantastic segue <laughs> into the game awards. I couldn't think of a better one. Um, the game awards, uh, just happened. They happened this last, uh, uh, Thursday as of the time of this recording. 
Um, what a what an event! What a, so, I'm just gonna get it out of the gate here. As an award show, I think it is a it's a misnomer. Like it is it is a it is a promotional show. It is a long commercial, very long commercial for upcoming games that has completely eclipsed what E3 has been in the last couple of years. I would yeah. say even eclipsed Keeley's own Summer Games Fest uh, at this mm-hmm. point with the amount of announcements and dwarfs and eclipse whatever awards pretense they have. Yeah, I, it feels like they're if if Keeley could probably go back in time uh knowing what he knows now, this wouldn't be called the Game Awards, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It would be it would be called something else, you know, Summer Games Fest. It doesn't pretend to be anything. The key threes. Yeah, than yeah. than what it is. I mean, this is really just a like a win- winter fest, a winter games <laughs> yeah. fest. Uh, that has has, and that's that's the tension that exists between like the show that we watch every year, the cyclical uh, complaints that a lot of folks who you know take this seriously have every year, which is uh, that it there's never enough time. Increasingly, like even less time given to the awards part of it. Like, you know, when you have a moment where a game developer is essentially eulogizing like someone who worked on the game that passed away and then moments later is being told to wrap it up you know that i don't think like keely is cackling behind the scenes to pull a big like you know like like, i don't think that i that's the automatic 30 second timer going off there but during larian's it was larian's uh uh, yeah it was a baldur's game uh yeah i think Um, they had like 30 seconds and then their teleprompter would say wrap it up right and I believe I, I believe it was the person who was accepting that award, or maybe it was a different award, but they were supposed to announce that Baldur's Gate 3 oh, was on Xbox. launching on Xbox that night, and then in the midst of giving an actual speech, neglected to, <laughs> to mention that part. And I think that that is such an illustrative point of the tension of that show, in yeah. which you have, you know, these these developers who have been really celebrated for this like amazing game that is beloved like wildly exceeded like anyone's expectations like uh, certainly including larian's then it go up and like to have a moment to whatever the problems of the game awards like it's the, it's the biggest stage the dice awards exist i know that the develop awards exist yeah. but the ones that people are watching the largest possible audience is ultimately the game awards and I can imagine totally getting caught up in that moment and then walking on stage and being like, Uh-oh. you know, you get a text from PR that's like, bro, yeah, <laughs> like you're yeah. supposed to announce the game simul launching on Xbox, but that shouldn't be yeah. what you're thinking about no. when you're up there being accepting for best direction or whatever the award You should was. be thinking, I can't believe we made a, what, I mean, A, what a year in general for the games right. industry and just in, in the world in general. I can't believe I'm standing on the stage, like, you know, every game I, it sounds to me it have from having covered the games industry for a bit is a heartbeat away from just exploding. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So for them to kind of be on that stage, accepting all those awards, right. You're totally right. Um, to the point of the most eyeballs on it. And this is where I get torn a bit. Uh, it, it has the most eyeballs because it's got all the celebrities and the trailers on it. Right. Yeah. So you're right. The, there's other GDC has awards, you know, there's dice and stuff like that. And they don't necessarily pack them full of reveals and have Matthew McConaughey on stage and, you know, (laughs) people coming out. But then they also don't get the eyeballs, right? So there is this, there is this push and pull on it. I think they need to tease it away. I think they just need to tease it out. Like you said, like rethink what it is 
and have either two nights, one. It's like E3. Have your fan night and have your <laughs> have your trade show, right? Like it right now, it's well, getting almost, too can, muddled. I almost feel like you could do it. Uh, you know, I can imagine from Keeley's perspective, you're using like you can see what they're try- what he's trying to do, which is to use that huge draw to get people to watch an award show. Yeah. And if you look at the ratings for the Oscars, Golden Globes, Emmys, like those are all trailing off. Like those are. They'll stick around because the celebrities like showing up to them and it's nice to like receive an award, but they're they're moving into dice develop GDC type territory, yeah. which like it's increased and it's increasingly insular group of people that uh, want to be there for the awards. What people are watching for is like an increasing question, especially as the audience like tastes uh, change. And I, so you can understand why Keeley's thought here is like, well. Okay, if, but if I have a trailer for the new Kojima game, like yeah. maybe someone will listen to an acceptance speech for yada yada yada. And I, but I just think those there's a way to do. Ultimately, it's a it's going to be a big long commercial with some some heart sprinkled into it. <laughs> and I think what was exposed here was just the balance was just really was off. off. Yeah. Um, and maybe some version of that is splitting the commercial. And the awards show in two. Maybe it's like do the commercials up front. Realize you're going to lose a ton of the audience totally. um, in the second half. But if you did two hours of let's do E3 and yes. then for the next 90 minutes, we're going to do an award show. Um, uh, you know, I don't know how the money works. out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I, and I'm not privy to the to the financials, but it seems like there are ways to to do both of those. Right. Um, and, and And to do. A way that could just give people a little bit more time to to bask in like a moment that like again for all the the criticisms of of the game awards and I'm sure the developers feel it too. It means a lot to them to be yeah. on a stage that is seen by that many people and so and recognized right and recognized yeah. like it feels like you make the you make things not for yourself. Uh, you make things like even if like we t- you know we you could say like well you make these things because it makes me feel good. Well, <laughs> but the outside validation means something. Yeah, and oh, yeah. so. The Game Awards is the is the biggest stage we have for that outward validation uh, to sort of like be center stage. And, you know, it's like a game like Alan Wake 2. Um, a lot of what we can glean this week uh, is that that game didn't sell very well. Mm. Um, you certainly wouldn't get that impression from the Game Awards, no, in which it is being right. treated as one of and it should be. It is a incredible work of art. It is one of the best games made this year. It is. It, it like it's what it's a moment where if you were an outside observer, like wow, Alan Wake too. Yeah, what a big deal this year. But right. then you look at the underlying sales data, at least what we know, and it's like not many people played that game relative to Tears of the Kingdom or 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 a lot of the other games. And so yeah. like you can you can have moments where you can celebrate the art with the commercial, and I just think the dial is just it's just turned too way way too hard in in one in one direction. Totally yes, uh, I did not know that about Alan Wake sales figures. That's kind of a bummer. Um, uh, it's, you know, it's also helpful, I think, to be able to put those things on a box and in promotional materials, like winner of like three awards or, or, or on the stage. And I, there is probably a balance there. I don't know if we'll ever get there. Maybe there is, I don't know the financials, like you said, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of opaque, but maybe one pays for the other at some point where you're like, oh, you know, Keely's an imperfect vehicle, right? I mean, that's, 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 but, but, you know, much like E3 it's the vehicle we got, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Achilles is sort of like uh, half due to uh, being clever, half due to circumstance, like 
found himself like carrying a lot more cultural weight than I think yeah. was probably the intention when the Game Awards or Summer Games Fest started. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that led to this moment. Um, and I think as a result of that, I hopefully that leads to Keeley giving like thinking about what that extra weight means. Like you like you didn't kill E3, but you might have been like one of the last like, you right. know, like like knives uh, in before before it finally bled out. And so knowing all that, like what do you do with that information the next time around? And and hopefully I don't know, hopefully there's a better, better balance. Cause I actually don't think you have to turn the knob that hard. I think at this time at this point, people know what the show is. But it can still be disappointing when it feels like it's, you know, when you're rushing through 10 awards, like where it feels like there's a fire on his ass. Totally. Uh, in order to get through them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has also been happening ever since video games tried to dabble in like Spike TV and, and, and yeah. television, which is like the kind of mix, the bleeding in of Hollywood and like, you know, what gets eyeballs and what stars can you get on there versus developers who are not always the most like charismatic on stage or, or, or bring the draw. So, you know, that push and pull has been there for a long, long time. Yeah. Keely as like <laughs> kind of Mr. Magooing his way into games industry <laughs> representative, you know, like, you know, where he'd be like, I don't want this role, but I'll take the stage presence is, you know, it's kind of where I feel like he's at, right? Like people want him to recognize things like, look, it's been a really rough year in the games industry on an industry level. Like, this award show is a big deal, but recognize the layoffs and the contraction. And I feel he's like, nah, yeah, but like. But games bring us together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, right. So, like and I, I think people look at him as like, this has the eyeballs on it, right? Like, uh, you right. know, so that all being said, there were so many new games announced. And there were. I would say more, maybe more new games than even updates on existing games. <laughs> Um, you know what? Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back and we're just going to run down some of our favorites from uh, the Game Awards or things that surprised us. So we'll jump into the kind of meat of the announcements at the Game Awards right after this. All right, Patrick, we are back. And now that we have figured out all the ills of the industry, we have <laughs> navigated. Fixed. We're good. <laughs> we figured out all the problems. We're going to plug everything in. My conscience is clear. I can, <laughs> I can now talk about how excited I am to actually see some of these announcements because there were a lot of actually really, as someone who really enjoys playing games, there was a lot to get excited mm -hmm. about over here. Um, not the least of which I'm going to start off and we're not going to go through everything because that would take uh, an entire year or at least three and a half hours like it did on the game awards show. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm going to start with new golden idol, the rise of the golden idol, uh, because that was one I got uh, joined our chat. They were watching it on uh, live a little late and then people started writing that and I thought they were joking because I thought they were just, <laughs> I thought they were just like, you know, goofing because I love uh, the case of the golden idol so much. Uh, I've heard, yeah, I've heard, I I have not. I know what the game is. I haven't yeah. had a chance to play it. I know that it is a uh, uh, Oberdin like, yeah, uh, yeah, or like heavily influenced or very much in the same vein. But I've heard it's like one of the all time great murder mystery puzzle games. Of it's the last so good. It's so good, and it looks like they're making more of it, and uh, that it takes place in the seventies, where the original case of the Golden Idol took place in I don't know the you know fifteen hundred, sixteen hundreds. I can't remember mm. the exact place of it. But that 
was awesome. I went back, I watched the trailer for it. Super excited for that. Um, that was one that jumped out at me immediately. I'm going to ping pong back and forth. So I'm just going to ask you, do you have anything? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, the, the life is strange games sure. uh, are some of my all time uh, favorites. Like pretty much anything. Don't nod makes. I'm like willing to try. like Jusant was one of my favorite games uh, this year. Uh, they made that. Um, and they are not they're So they don't own the rights to Life is Strange. That stayed with Square Enix. um, And that series is being continued by a studio called Deck 19. And actually, the the last game they did, Life is Strange True Colors, was like remarkably good. I I quite liked it. And so that series seems to be in safe hands. And it's nice to see that Don't Nod, they announced a new, uh, uh, I guess, world uh, that's called Lost Records. And the first one, first game that's coming for that is called Bloom and Rage. That uh, is about a group of Another group of fucked up teens that have some fucked up powers. Um, like the the broad premise seems to be like something happened to them when they were young, and then there's a reason they're revisiting that moment when they're older. It's it has strong yellow jackets vibes. I don't know if you watched that show no. about the the teenage cannibals and a from a uh, high school soccer team. It's nope. awesome, great show. Okay, uh, and so there's some there's some yellow jackets vibes here, and I've just I, I've loved. Don't nod sort of dreamy, weird approach to like telling like teenage or like like young adult stories. And the fact that they're going back to this space uh, makes me like really excited. I'm sure it'll be very sad, which mm-hmm. also seems to be a running theme of the the work they do in this space. But I think the original Life is Strange is fantastic. Life is Strange 2 was also really fantastic. Agreed. Even though it got not nearly enough of the the attention as the first one with the relationship to those two brothers and that game was was so good i didn't i didn't um, i didn't love it as much as i love the original life is strange but that is a lot because either. i really loved life is strange yes yeah. yes yes uh and so the fact that they're returning to a very familiar format uh-huh. is is just super exciting for me because i wasn't sure if they were gonna I was like would they just go I don't want to call it knockoff Life is Strange, but they're just going to make another thing that seems very similar. I'm nodding. And and, and they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that makes me tremendously happy. It was as soon as that trailer started, I was like, you don't even have to, you don't even have to put up Don't Not. Like, we we all know. (laughs) We all know. It's, no. They have a a very specific art style for their character models. And as soon, yeah, same way. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) They're just going to do another one of these, aren't they? Yes. Oh, thank you. Uh, one that I think maybe was, uh, I, I don't know from, I didn't watch the presentation. I just watched the trailer and maybe that was for the best. I didn't see it, mm. but some people said it was kind of goofy. Uh, Exodus. Uh, I did not see, uh, Matthew McConaughey on stage. Uh, I don't know if it was cringy or not, uh, but I did watch the trailer and then I did watch the kind of longer story trailer and I'm pretty jazzed for that game. So this sounds like it's coming out of X, uh, Mass Effect devs. Mm-hmm. Uh, strong Mass Effect vibes coming from all of this, uh, with the addition of a uh, mechanic that involves uh, um, faster than light travel and its implications through time dilation, and and kind of uh, in reading some write ups of it and from the story trailer, sounds like some of your choices in this game will revolve around: Hey, it might take you two minutes to go to this other planet, but ten years will have passed by the time you get back. Ooh. So you need to figure out if that's going to be or hundred years, whatever it is. You know, like mm-hmm. you need to. Is it worth it to go to do this thing and return this thing because 
the situations on here, you're not just fast traveling back, which I think is a cool idea. It'll mm-hmm. we'll see how they implement it, you know, uh, uh, when it comes down to it. But cool visual style of kind of an emotional trailer. Like, uh, yeah. um, I, I thought it was very well, um, produced. Uh, like one of the trailers I watched was like, all right, yeah, no, I'm feeling things from this, you know, space trailer. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, uh, Exodus, um, which is from archetype. No date on that one. I don't think. No, I know they've been working on it for uh, a number of years, but you know, I mean the, the scale of games these days, yeah. like it's, you know, you could say, Oh, they've been working on it for three years and, they might only still be, you know, halfway through like development, but it's yeah, especially given that Mass Effect as a franchise, uh-huh. like who knows, you know what I mean? Who knows? Like by by all you know the limited reports we have on the new game, like it might be a next gen like game by the time it's out. Uh, you know, so it's you know, I I love to love a new Mass Effect yeah. game again, but I think what people would actually love is just or be willing to accept is like something in that vein that feels like it's tapping into what mass effect tapped into and i i'm with you i I really like the the notion of like that's how they're going to handle choices and consequences because it already sets your mind spinning like it it, it, it's like it sounds it's so easy to imagine how they're going to create a lot of tension out of that idea and you know then it all rests in the execution but at least in the premise phase yes Dang, like, it, yeah, I can see how you're going to make me feel real stressed about wh- which dialogue <laughs> options I pick. And, and you know, you know, a lot of technical questions come to mind of like, well, then how do you age a planet, right? If you return, are you mm. going to make new assets for, you know, or are these going to be big forks in the story, or is it? Are we talking about every time I travel to another planet? That right? would be my assumption. Yeah. Like my my assumption would be big, cho- like when you're moving to a planet X number of years in the future. That's like a plot yes. pivot point that you're that you're moving forward. Maybe it's more complicated than than that, but I, I would I, that would be my guess that yeah. it's going to be like, hey, you make this choice, we walk, go through the portal or whatever, and then uh, you know you're X number of hours forward in the story. Uh, Patrick, something else you want to call out here? Uh, Windblown, okay, um, yep. which is the new game from Motion Twin. Uh, they're developers of Dead Cells. Dead Cells mm-hmm. was whatever year that hit. <laughs> 1.0 um I, I tend to shy away from playing games in early access uh like i'll play for a little bit to talk about it you know on a podcast and it's like cool i'll be back in like a year <laughs> sure. when 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 it finishes and i have it like this has happened to me a couple of times where looked at hades and was like damn that seems cool i'll play it when it's done and then it was my favorite game that year like dead cells that game looks cool I'll play it when it's done it was my favorite game <laughs> that year and so we'll see if that you know i can go <laughs> three for three with uh with windblown it's a uh, uh, it's an isometric game. They haven't shown a ton of the gameplay, um, but it's from the original. So Dead Cells as a game became so successful that the original team that worked on it didn't want to work on it anymore. <laughs> like it became clear that Dead Cells, which was meant to be sort of a, a one-off with uh-huh. some expansions and some updates, has essentially become kind of a live service game uh, by by happenstance. Hmm. And so they started up a separate studio uh, or separate, a company called Evil Empire, which is just about managing dead cells. So oh, okay. The Castlevania DLC, all that stuff is not made. I mean, I'm sure there are developers who came over from that original team, but a lot of the core creatives were okay with dead cells getting spun off as basically its own company sure. and, and being its own thing. So that's why dead cells continues to get a bunch of 
updates and the yeah. Castlevania one was right. really neat. Yes. Like I, I loved that update earlier this year and Windblown is the culmination of that those original creatives working on something brand new. So okay. I don't get a, a great sense of what's going on here in the trailer, but I loved Dead Cells so much that whatever, man, like I, I'll play whatever you put in front of me because I adored that game that much. It seems like um, from what I could read about it, uh, I think you're called a leaper or something. You have some kind of jetpack um, or, or some kind of uh, a mobility device that gets you in and out of combat. And the, mm. one of the things I read was you can learn abilities or acquire powers from warriors that have fallen before you. And that's kind of implied in the trailer uh, a little bit. Also, the trailer, a lot of heads just popping. Yeah, incredibly violent yeah, trailer yeah. for these little animals that are just kind of yeah going in there no. yeah that was, was pretty good um i wonder if that'll hit early access for an expend, extended period of time they've said they have already said that okay. um it's going to be early access i mean I, that was that worked really well for dead cells yeah. i'm not shocked that that's gonna also be the the approach they're also doing that for the the new game from the ori and the blind forest oh okay yeah um I don't. I forget what the game name of that game. Uh, no is. rest for the wicked. Yes, uh, and that's their kind of take on a Zelda style game is how they've kind of portrayed it in the past. Uh, and that game is also going to be early access. I think in March on okay on PC. Um, so okay, so they have nothing. Um, that's pr- that's a uh, private division publishing that right. It's private not Microsoft. Division publishing that, okay. Yeah. No, but Private Division is owned by Take Two. Oh, so, right. Yeah, uh, okay. Yes. So, right. so it's like, look at this. Look at this indie publisher that's owned by the publisher of Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yep. Yep. Forgot. Yes. Um, one here I'll I'll mention that's not a particular game. I just thought was kind of wild was Sega's trailer. Like, yeah. What is happening? I don't know. Um, the person at the just, end of the thing yells Sega. They have the eyeball <laughs> thing going on. Like it's, it's like a lot of Sega happening. Yeah. I, I you know, just at radio is one of my all time favorite games. I, uh, I didn't have a chance to play these like kind of spiritual successor, the, the indie game, uh, cy- uh, cyber bomb funk, um, uh, funk. Yes. Um, well, gosh, it's escaping. You know what I'm yes. talking bomb about? Rush uh, cyber funk. Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Okay. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play that earlier this year. Um, it's on my list of something to catch up on over the over the holidays. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just at radio, like, give me another one of those. I guess <laughs> um, it's it's an interesting pitch from them to be like, then we're bringing back a bunch of these it, franchises. No details to come. Um, <laughs> but, but it's uh, bold, and I sure. really actually like it. It's very yeah. strident. It's very like we get it. We're we're we're. Um, it's almost like under new management. We get it. We've seen what Atari's been doing. We get uh-huh. it. We want this. We're going to give you Jet Set. We're going to give you Shinobi, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, Crazy Taxi. What and- else do you want? I'm looking in this box. Yeah, like- this guy's going to yell, Sega! At the end of a thing. Like we, we get it. We know who you are. You're 40 years old and you want your Sega games. Uh, and you're tired of hearing about Sonic, right? That, that's like, you know, and I feel like it was like a really really confident way to put that message out there and i kind of yeah. appreciated it it didn't didn't have that like that kind of like weird weaselly we're gonna try and mine your nostalgia in a terrible way it was like no we're gonna mine your nostalgia and you're gonna get the pickaxe <laughs> like you're gonna we're gonna do this together and you're gonna love it and it's like yeah okay let's do this let's make some new mm-hmm. games so curious to see what comes of that whole thing 
Yeah, I I think a little what I'd read about it was that Sega, like those all those games are in various stages of extremely early development, and that that was kind of a recruiting oh. uh, video, which is actually pretty common these days. Where you like, I understand it's frustrating uh, as players to have a game with like a CG trailer, and then it turns out that game's not going to be released for like half a decade, well, yeah, well. and it's because like game recruiting is so like like talent is so difficult to acquire. Uh, these days uh, that sometimes you're putting out these CG trailers to be like, huh. you want to come work on a Mass Effect game or whatever. And like they, the point of the trailer is to just like be able to talk in the open sure. about games that otherwise would be secret for years. So I, my my understanding is those games are all like really early glimpses of the games they hope to be okay. later on. And the, and the games that come out might look fairly different from from what was seen. Kind of like a but tone, either way, I'm like a, I'm with you like a tone piece almost. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Which is like, hey, we're looking back at these old games, and who wants to come help us help us make them? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the ping pong here for a second. I'm gonna hold the Please. ball. I'm gonna hold the ball, mm-hmm, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. ask you, what did you? Because th- I know, franchise wise, I think I know what your feelings might be. But what did you think of that Jurassic Park uh, survival <laughs> game? <laughs> uh, well, the entire time I was just hoping and praying that at the end it didn't say roguelike or survival game <laughs> yeah well <laughs> like, well it, it is survival it is survival but yeah. when you say survival game that yeah. has a very different connotation when you say roguelike uh you have a very different yes. sort of connotation and so i when that trailer was airing i was allowing myself to get cautiously excited but then also i had my phone out and i was looking like a lot of times <laughs> when you're watching these shows like you're getting press releases for the games like immediately after they're announced i was just desperately waiting for this one so i could see what the log line was uh-huh. on the game and so when it said like single player adventure i was like yay <laughs> i win <laughs> like they're making the game i want is it gonna be good i don't know but i've got a better shot at liking it um as long as it's not and you know i don't i know that survival games and roguelikes are very popular and i like <laughs> games in both of those styles but um, you don't have to apologize. Know, um, I get it. Yeah, like yeah, we, I, we have I a lot want, of them. like a highly polished single player yeah. adventure game is like ultimately what I want okay, at the end of the day out of most games. Not get ahead of and, our skis here. Highly polished. Uh, we don't know yet. This is you know. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. But uh, yes, the, like the, I think there's a lot of potential in uh, I don't know, like a kind of horror adjacent, like scary, tense, like Escape from Jurassic Park. I think totally. there you could get a lot uh, out of that, um, and so. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but like in terms of a pitch, uh, that like the whole time I saw the Jurassic Park logo and our, you know, our chat at remap is going wild. It's like, stop, it's going to be like a theme park simulator. Uh-huh. And I don't even like those types of games and that's good for them. I want people to be happy, but like, I can't get excited until I know exactly what they're, what they're pitching here. And, and that at least seems like a really, uh, a fun premise for, for a game. Um, and so now it's just a matter of whether it whether it turns out any good, which is a a mixed bag when it comes to Jurassic Park video games. It it and it does seem just for folks who haven't seen it, um, it does seem like it is based on the original Jurassic Park with maybe a yes. side story character. They're trying to kind of say, hey, also this happened during Jurassic Park, parallel to the events there. Yeah, like a lot of the major beats of the trailer are like going to the kitchen yeah. or like encountering the T Rex or seeing the big. Uh, entrance and so um you know i guess i'd be a little disappointed if it was you know and this was a character that saw all the events of jurassic park just out of frame yeah, right right um, <laughs> and and that's their way of doing like a re like a retelling of the original jurassic park without um 
you know, having Alan Grant and, and those characters in it. But uh, hopefully that they, they gives them a little bit more license to do something interesting, even if it's in the same time frame as the original or, uh, film. Or it's but, like minutes after the end of Jurassic Park, right? right. It's like, right. oh, this person was like, wakes up and like, where is everybody? <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't get on that helicopter. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, Patrick, I'm going to uh, then just kind of steer into, because uh, my list here, it is right next to it. I'm going to say this one didn't do a lot for me, and that's whatever Kojima's uh, like OD thing is. Which yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't really excite me that much, because I feel like we have, it was basically a bunch of, or I, I Look, I like Udo Kier. Like, I didn't recognize the other actresses that are in it. I don't, I'm sure mm-hmm. people do. Um, but it's like talking heads kind of doing almost like a weird audition thing. I assume they were CG because that's what he's been doing, scanning people, right? Yeah, all the motion capture stuff for this. I mean, I don't, yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's, you know, in theory, uh, there are some like hints people ex- have extracted from the trailer that seem to gesture at, Silent Hill, not that it's a Silent Hill game, but that maybe this would be a continuation of some of the ideas that he was playing around with for PT, um, which, you know, even to this day, despite that being literally a playable teaser, is like one of my favorite mm. horror experiences. Like, I was really excited for what might come come out of that, even as someone that has generally kind of mixed feelings about Kojima's work. I like I'm really uh, respect a lot of like the ambitions that Kojima has, but very frequently the ideas don't really land for me personally, but uh-huh. I like, I like that. I like that. He's got a big bat and he swing swings for the fences oh, yeah. on, on everything that he does. Um, and the Jordan Peele thing is, yep. uh, like really like all of Peele's work has been some of my favorite horror films of like every time it comes out. I think his most recent one, Nope yeah. is pretty underrated. I thought that movie was fucking, I thought awesome. it was okay, um, but like, but like, uh, I, I didn't love it, but, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and well, he takes big swings too, yep. and so in the, you know, on paper, Kojima working with someone like Jordan Peele. Yeah, it's a collaboration make, for those who didn't hear it. Yeah, they're they're yes, yeah. yes, but what exactly that means, we don't know. Yeah. Like they spent ten minutes talking about it. And I have no <laughs> idea what that is. Well, because some of the rumors that go go back to Kojima doing a game with Microsoft was it was going to be cloud based yeah. to some degree. Um, you know, is this about watching other people be, be scared? I mean, like, I have no idea what this is going to be. The the piece the pieces on the chessboard sound interesting, but there's like no way to come away from any of this going. Well, I, other than being excited at the potential, like that's about all you can be excited about. Or you know, like yeah, the, like if and again, I have to question. Like, am I watching? Um, I, I didn't see uh, or don't remember the entire talk, but. Did he, did they specifically say that was footage or, 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 uh, no, they didn't say anything about that. Okay. Again, if there is, uh, there's a YouTube video that I saw where one of the eyeballs, <laughs> if you zoom in on it real close, it appears to show what might be real time gameplay footage. Maybe like, oh. like who knows? Okay. Um, we, we don't know anything. Like okay. there's basically like literally no details about what exactly, uh, that is. But I mean, Kojima showed a knack for horror mm-hmm. with PT, and so if at the end of the day all I'm really working with is two two guys that seem to really understand how horror works yeah. and have produced really good horror works in different mediums, I, I don't. Sure, yeah, why not? Totally. Like yeah. that, that's that's an exciting mix for me. Uh, Patrick, any, uh, anything else you want to call out here? I mean, there's plenty. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I didn't finish Deathloop. Um, it didn't really click for me ultimately, even though I thought the ideas behind it were really interesting. But uh-huh. uh, Arcane Leon has done some of my all-time favorite immersive sim games, you know. Uh, uh, and so the fact that they would be coming back to make a Blade game uh-huh. is not how I would have envisioned um, the studio like returning, um, but they seem really excited about it. It's a fascinating mashup of studio and uh, sort of like character. I, I've it's third person instead of fir- first person. So what does it mean for the team that's done Dishonored, mm-hmm. Dishonored Two, Dishonored Death of the Outsider, like all those like fans? Like what does that mean for them to make a Blade game? I don't fucking know. Um, but it, I guess it's exciting. Um, on some level, it's a little bit disappointing because I guess I was kind of hope like there were some those leaks that like Dishonored Three was being worked on, and I guess that means for whatever reason that's not happening. We're getting getting Blade uh, instead, but. Uh, it's a weird it's a weird matchup. I have no idea what to make of it. Um I think it's yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, look, Blade is a fun character that hasn't really yes. been explored in video games all that much, right? So um it, Did you like Marvel's Midnight Suns? So I didn't love it. Again, I kind of fell off of it. It wasn't Okay. I don't know why. It's one of those games that I have in the pile that's like, if I had unlimited time, I'd go back to this. I, I like there's yeah. nothing really that I didn't like about it except that it wasn't XCOM three. Right. Sure. So like, yeah. It, yep. And it never was going to be, uh, but you know, um, you know, nothing I hated about it. I kind of like the, uh, you know, and blade in there was fun. He was like a fun character in there. A uh, fun mm-hmm. portrayal. I don't know that much about blade other than the Wesley Snipes movie. Yeah. Uh, you and me both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, but like, look, I'll take whatever Arcane wants to try with this. I think it's interesting to see them uh, try their hand at a third-person one. I wonder if Marvel was like, no, it's got to be third-person. <laughs> we need to see the character. It's Blade. I, it's, it's, it's hard to say. You know, the, I, I saw brief comments from you know, like the creative director, the, the, you know, the person who was on stage you know, announcing the game, and the way they were describing it to the interviewer, to fans, I can't remember where exactly I saw the comments, was like, hey, we pitched them on the game we wanted to make when we got in the room, which was we're going to do an immersive sim and mash it up with the, with the character blade. Uh-huh. And the way they said, it was like, we expected sort of Marvel to kind of push back on that. And they said, Marvel more or less said, go make that game. And <laughs> That's great. Now, normally I would say like, that just sounds like what you're saying for yeah. the PR. Um, but like, I mean, midnight suns essentially sank for axis. Oh, yeah. Like they, and we had a, t- a chance to talk to, oh, who's the, who was the creative director there that was the head of like the XCOM games was the head of Midnight Suns. I forget the designers. Um, I don't remember. Uh, he left after all of this. Uh, Jake Solomon. Okay. Um, yes. And really nice guy. We hit him on uh, Waypoint uh, RIP. Well, I don't know. Actually, things are better for me now. So I think maybe it's. <laughs> Fine that it died. Um, uh, so it sounds and- like a whole other conversation. <laughs> that- yeah, that's a different. Yeah. When when there are another family emergencies, you can have me okay. on and have that discussion, uh, Vinny. But um, that when we talked with Jake, I mean, he made he he made the same sort of thing. And the game was coming out. He's like, "Yo, I just sort of made the everything I wanted to make, uh, and the game kind of crashed and burned." Yeah. And I, by all accounts, it's a you know, it's a well liked game, it's a well made game, but it 
certainly didn't sort of light the the world on fire. And so if Marvel was willing to sign off on Midnight Suns, it does give me some confidence that, hey, maybe they did just sort of sign off on the game that Arcane Leon pitched and they'll get a chance to make something that approximates that. I mean, ever since Marvel's pivoted to we're not going to make our own games, mm-hmm. we're going to like do partnerships. I mean, the Spider-Man games have been really, like yep. they pick good partners and the games that come out of it seem to be well, games that feel uh, they don't feel like compromises from the studios that are making them right. Like Insomniac seemed to have made a good spot. Like Spider-Man, Spider-Man I'm, games. I'm making like a stinky cheese face only because I'm thinking of uh, Avengers of like. Sure. Yeah. 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 Of, fair, fair enough. Yeah. Like, and not everything is hit, yeah. but I think they've hit more than they've missed. Oh, oh um, yeah. I mean, they have what the um, uh, Wolverine is, is still yep. uh, being worked on. Yeah. Um, I mean, Spider-Man obviously is making bank for them like yeah that that's and i you know there's the whole marvel sony spider-man thing and i don't know i don't want to even attempt to get into the details of who's got licenses for what or whatever it is but yeah i go go make good these are talented studios go make good superhero games they work you know in video games like you could do this stuff in video games it's, it's not it's not <laughs> Like I'm a little saturated. Well, at least Blade, Blade's an interesting like at least with parts would be confidence. Like it doesn't Blade's not what you would pick if you're like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Cracker knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Time to sell some games. Yeah, right, right. And like Blade's not the character you pick. Like there's a reason that you just said, well, our uh if you're not already into the comics, like the collective consciousness <laughs> memory of Blade is like three Wesley Snipes movies from twenty years ago. <laughs> and like maybe you know one I mean? or two so, good ones, right. Right, yeah, two two of them were good. Yeah. Like, and so you you'd imagine the reason Arcane Leon pitches a Blade game is because they wanted to make a Blade game. Um, you would have picked a more popular Marvel yes. character if the if the goal was to be as high profile as possible. And and I think Blade offers a really good mix. Uh, and again, judging off of the Wesley Snipes portrayal and what I know of Blade, <laughs> of like a character that you can do potentially upgrade paths and they're vulnerable they're, oh, they're not just sure. like oh they're so overpowered you don't have to work how do you make a video game with this person right like yeah like how do you make a video game with wolverine where like wolverine is going to have regenerating health that's the default <laughs> you know like <laughs> like what do you have to fight against right where you know maybe it it there's some more nuance there um i'm excited for that uh, I'm going to pick something else here. I'm just kind of scrolling down um, just kind of quickly here. I'm going to rattle off a few. The finals got uh, kind of uh, stealth dropped, I think is what Keeley said. I, I don't mind that term. I'll use that. It's stealth announced uh, and is out now for free to play. I played some early on and I really enjoyed it. So I'm I'm uh, hoping to get in there and check it out. Uh, what else, else was there? Light No Fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is uh um this is Hello Games' next game, which is <laughs> it, it's kind of unbelievable. You think maybe you just wouldn't hear from them for a little bit. Like they've been putting out so much No Man's Sky updates. Like yeah. just just go take a rest. Like go go sleep for a little while. Like uh, don't pitch your game and <laughs> <laughs> don't come back to the scene of the crime yeah right exactly to, to show your next game on on you know keely's show after you I, know the, the weight of expectations uh i mean a lot of things you know kind of went awry with that game's launch even if it's in a good place now but 
the source, a lot of that is like what happened on the Spike TV yes. Game Awards, you know, 10 years ago. So so it's funny. You see Sean Murray up there and um, kind of excited. And, you know, you're like, first, my first thought is like, just just go sleep. Like, it's, so you've done so, you've, you've done so <laughs> much with No Man's Sky in the last decade. But then pitching this really ambitious game, like, and you, I, I just imagine a PR person off in the wings being like, oh, no, 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 again, not again, not again. Don't mention that. No, 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 no. Um, like, I don't even know where to start with what the pitch is here. It's, it, it seems like an entire earth, like a multiplayer yep. game on an entire earth with a bunch of different biomes. And, and it's, it's a role playing game. Yeah. It's, yeah, it seems to, you know, yeah, like strong sort of, you know, I saw a photo with uh, uh, Todd Howard and Sean Murray at like one of the like post game awards uh, parties. Like That's there's funny. strong, there's strong Skyrim in light, no fire. And it seems to be mashing that up with a lot of the technology and lessons of um, uh, no man's sky, you know, a game that never quite worked for me. Um, even though I, you know, have a deep respect for what like I wanted to bet. Like I wanted the game that looks like this, but also has like a really captivating single player story. Totally. Oh, you're not doing that. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Totally fine. But not for me. I'm 100% um, with you. And like every time I see new stuff, I'm like, I should go play that. And then I play it again. I'm like, it's still not the game for me. No, but I, but I respect the hell out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it just seems to become more of what it always wanted yes. to be every year. And I, do, I totally get every time I see a new trailer, like why the folks that are into it, like love it, you know, even more and why they've given it so much attention. Um, and so I don't know if light, no fire will be for me either. I think like it has a better chance just because of the glimpses we get in <laughs> the, the, I don't know how much to call it gameplay or at least like gameplay sizzle real. Like the pitch like basically very, it's a pitch yeah. and it, it's very, you know, it feels like a much more confident pitch than no man's sky. Like I, I guess I would be shocked if they were going to completely commit the same mistakes. Again. Like Sean <laughs> yeah. Murray has been very uh, self-referential on social media in the wake of the announcement where like, I think he, he captioned like a Kotaku quote uh, or like a uh, comment. It was like, uh, Sean, please like, don't, o- don't overpromise. Please don't do it. Please don't overpromise. And he was like laughing about it. And so like, yeah, they know they're what they're stepping into, which makes me think that, they have a much better handle on what this is, what they're going to be showing. And there's a reason they've waited five years to actually start showing it. That's my hope because having talked to Sean a handful of times over the years, including an interview I did with like Austin some years back when no man's sky was finally taking a turn. Like, I mean that whole ordeal took such a psychological toll on that team and, and Sean in particular that, I'm excited they're like jumping off of a cliff again, but like I hope they have a parachute this time. <laughs> and I, I think, um, or I thought I heard um, uh, Reichert over on Giant Bomb saying that they were showing it to people and that he had seen some of it. So if it's in a state to see it, uh, I'm look, I, I think you saw No Man's Sky. We all saw No Man's Sky early on too, that they know their tech. And if they're all they got to do is match the expectation with the tech and everybody's happy. Well, and also, I, I would not be, I don't know if they said anything about this yet, but, you know, part of No Man's Sky's problem was a perception mm-hmm. issue in uh, both in what it was, what it seemed to be and what it actually was, but that also had that game launched in early access, like even just that moniker would have gone so long to give people longer, like more latitude on like 
oh, it's figuring itself out. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. came in as like, and like it essentially has had an early access totally. period over a number of years and become a much more complete, uh, fulfilling experience. I, I'm, I would be shocked if Light No Fire didn't come in as an early access game formally, where it's like, hey, this time, here's a world, here's our ideas, let's figure out what this game is together, because a huge part of the, the, the story of No Man's Sky is not that they spent the last five years building the game they wanted to make, it's more that they built the game the players wanted <laughs> yeah. once they got into it, which is usually the story of early access, is a walking a fine line between... What do the developers want to accomplish and what does the community want out of the game? And so uh, I guess I'd be shocked if they didn't go in that direction with, with this one. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, no date. I don't think any date on that one. Uh, good for them. Don't put a date on it. <laughs> don't, don't put a date on it. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff, but I think that I pulled out the ones that really spoke to me the most. Um, you know, there were a lot of other things here. I'm just scrolling through a giant list. Uh, Patrick, before we wrap up this part, anything else you want to call out? I was going through two. I think this got most. I mean, you know, I don't have any particular love for Dead by Daylight, but I have a huge amount yes. of love for Supermassive so games. I. Yes. And I love even their weakest. Uh, like games in the anthologies they've put out Love are them. still a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, they're tremendous games to play with friends or to stream. And so I don't know who Frank Stone is, <laughs> uh-huh. um, but I'm excited for Supermassive to tell me about him yes. in, the, in the casting of, of Frank Stone. So I'm just glad Supermassive is getting more work. Uh, and those games, they're getting to c- continue making games in their style. Uh, I thought the quarry was fucking awesome. So good. Like I had such a great time with that. And so I, I'm just glad super massive. Keep getting more, keep getting more work. Uh, and so the casting of Frank Stone is one of the more bizarre game titles I've heard in a minute. Uh-huh. Um, but sure. Why not? Let's find out what Frank is. Look, up to. if this one winds up being any kind of multiplayer thing, like they did in the anthology stuff, we should play it together. We should do a thing. Absolutely. That stuff is yes. super fun. Yes. I, I love it. Yes. Um, I've done a bunch of them with Abby, uh, and she is always super fun to do those too. They're just great multiplayer games. Um, all right. That is pretty much the game awards. <laughs> like there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a bunch of other stuff in there. Absolutely. Um, but uh, uh, those are the kind of the things that jumped out and spoke to me. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to start wrapping things up. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we've got the uh, watchcast going on with uh, Twin Peaks. I've never seen episode. Well, I've never seen any of it, but I've never seen season two, which is what we're doing. Uh, neither has Brad. Patrick, you have? I uh, attempted to catch up for the return. Like I was uh-huh. so, I was like, I'm going to finally see what this whole thing is about. And then I got to season two and my rewatch sort of ground to a halt. And then I never watched the return, which I still feel bad about. Maybe, maybe, maybe you all watching it will be my impetus to get, get back. I'll let you it. know. I would, so we're up to, uh, let's see, we did episode one, two, three. So I think we're on four and five. Is David Duchovny in there yet? I know no. I'm mad that I didn't watch it long enough to see. No, him in it, I don't I know. know. I know Spoilers. He in I don't two. know. <laughs> but, but look, Vinny, based on my, I won't say anything. Uh-huh. Based on my understanding of how he appears, you won't see it coming. Uh, so <laughs> okay. I think you're safe. I think you're safe. Fair enough. So you can go check that at patreon.com slash nextlander, where you can find a bunch of different tiers there. Find a tier that is right for you. There is, Patrick, one tier that gets their names read on this very show. The Mysterious Benefactor Tiers. 
and I'm going to read those names right now, starting with Sean Miller, Ryan Waterman, RRE, Infelicitous Rips, Kelly F., Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deidre Plays Fortnite Now, I guess, Gary Pejke, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Themed, Peter Reardon, Jad Rita, Statics, Fantasticasm89, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Razgriz2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Thanks again to our mysterious benefactors, and thanks again to everyone who has supported us. Patrick, where can people find you and support you? That's true. Well, we all operate this way now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, the crew that, uh, a lot of the crew that worked on uh, the later eras of Waypoint, we launched something called Remap uh, earlier this year. Um, you can support everything we're doing. Uh, you can listen. Uh, and we just launched a website. We, uh, we're writing articles uh, again. We uh, launched a proper website at remapradio.com. Uh, and that has all the links to see the writing that we're doing and, and how to support us or to watch and listen. Uh, and then I operate a, a newsletter called Crossplay. I, I describe it as a newsletter at the intersection of parenting and video games where I'm sort of applying my my reporting eye and lens to uh the world of parenting and video games that's over at crossplay.news fantastic crossplay.news i should go watch i'm gonna look for your lego Fortnite. uh uh find out all the ills that's happening in there i think i might be getting my kids v bucks for uh for as stocking Mm -hmm. stuff look uh vinny if i could have my children obsessed with Fortnite or Roblox, you're good. Like you're in the better one. Um, so, like, fair enough. If, if yeah, the, between the two uh, pitches on the metaverse, one is uglier than the other. <laughs> I'll say. Uh, I look forward to your article: uh, Robux versus V Bucks. Uh, <laughs> well, thank- Walmart.com versus Target.com. Uh-huh. Here's where to get the best deals this holiday. Um. Well, thanks again, Patrick, uh, and and thanks for joining us on such late notice. Really do appreciate thank you. it. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week.